a listener production. Hello, I'm Gary Megan and welcome to A Plate to Call Home where we explore the stories behind the food and get to know some of my food heroes. Imagine growing up in a hard-working community on the wrong side of town where your prospects, let's face it, aren't great. You find yourself on the wrong side of the law for whatever reason and then banged up in prison. That's exactly what happened to Ian Curley when he was a kid and something happened. The penny dropped and he managed to turn his life around in a dramatic way. He's a chef, restaurateur, mentor, husband, father. He's been on MasterChef, Yes Chef, Postcards, and even hosted his own TV show called Conviction Kitchen. He's still on the tools and he loves it. He's an inspiration in the industry. This is a world first. On my show anyway, here he is, the first ex-convict ever on a plate to call home, Ian Curley. Ian Curley, welcome. Thanks for coming in. Thank you very much. It's nice. I don't think actually I've sat next to you like this for a long time. I was saying this. this, Do you avoid me? Is that what it is? No, no. It's just basically (laughs) because I I normally deal with Preston because we're Chelsea supporters. Right, okay. stuff. And I I used to see George kicking around, obviously, in Brighton before the, you know, the the bad... The The, the thing. But then and I thought, you know, I've known George a long time as well because we did some stuff at the point with Rabbi and the guys and stuff like that. And now he's got the... I think we've got some sort of financial connection because the guy that helped him out is a guy called Jonathan at the end of it all, and Jonathan's a good friend of mine. So, you know, it's like a small village. It is. But then because, you know, you're and you're on the wrong side of the river, as you know, so we, <laughs> we, don't, we don't get over that side as much. Because it's amazing. People turn around and say to me, oh, you never come to my restaurant. I'm like, man, you're in it's Brunswick. far away. <laughs> You're in Brunswick. So where, where are you? Where do you live? Uh, well, I live Bayside. I'm going to. I am oh, yeah, well, you're, I'm, yeah, I'm you're in Brighton. Suburbs, so there you go. So, you're in the so I, I live. I live in a little bubble, and uh, and that's that's why I, I, you know, I've made it. I've I've made it. I'm from Coventry, and I'm, I'm now living in Brighton, which is yes, world's most you're livable by the city. Bay, you know, by the bay, <laughs> and then I just look around and I look at my life and go, yeah, man, I've done it. It's all right, isn't it? Well, I was going to ask you a completely different question, but actually, as soon as you just volunteered up that information, you know, you've been here, you must be close to 30 years. 30 years. I remember arriving, and about a week later, Geelong played, I always know, because Geelong played Hawthorne in the uh, the grand final, and it was the one where Dermot Brereton played with the dodgy rib, and Gary Ablett kicked about eight or ten or something in the last couple of quarters to get it really close. Yeah, when football was proper. Well, that's right. And then I think the day later or the day after, week after, Canberra Raiders won. I thought, okay, well, this this could be a bit of fun, this country. (laughs) You know, honestly, if I could do anything, I'd be an Australian. But it's still that English thing about it. It's like you've always got to stick up for England, even when we're doing crap. We've got against the Aussies. You just got to do it. You know. See, I feel differently. Like, uh, see, when I, you know, for example, if you rewind thirty years, there wasn't any soccer on television. So no. when when you came here, you were either watching, uh, I don't know, SBS at like one o'clock in the yeah. morning, and even actually at the beginning, I don't yeah. think there was even any soccer on. So no, it was well, hard to watch. That's what time we were it. finishing work then. Though. Well, that's right. So that that would have been that's <laughs> a long time ago, and yeah. things have changed a lot. But I kind of I left it far behind. I remember yeah. bumping into a guy. You know, when I'd been out here for a couple of years ago, and he goes, where are you from? And I said, oh, from here. Yeah. And he goes, no, where specifically? I said, no, from here. And he goes, yeah. no, 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 where? Specifically, yeah. I thought, oh, shit, this guy's yeah. getting too close. Yeah. And he, he actually grew up on Hailing Island, where right. I grew up. Okay. I never saw him again, because right. I'm like, there's a reason I left. Right. I yeah. didn't read the International Express. Yeah. I didn't worry about bumping into English guys. Oh, I, ne- I never. I was never that proud of the fact that I'm. Uh, I mean, I wear a lot of Union Jack scarf and stuff. Like that. Built and in I, Britain, I, 19, yeah. Oh, yeah, whatever, I, I, And I love all that sort of stuff, but also... I don't go back and go, oh, I miss Coventry and all that. I yeah. most certainly don't. Yeah. I, like, I like the fact now that I've, as you move on with your life and you establish yourself and you can afford to eat at the Gavroche and you can afford to eat in these those restaurants, it gives you the opportunity because you you have worked so hard. And I think the great thing about Australia, it gave me the opportunity to work. Which I'm coming from a place like Coventry where it, it is a working-class background. You can work, and, if, and in, you know yourself, in hospitality, there's no unemployment in hospitality. Nobody can tell me, oh, I'm a chef, I can't find a job. Well, that's rubbish. You know what I mean? And it's even more pre- prevalent today. But also then, I always had two or three jobs. and I Because I always thought that having money was the way that you would just show that you were successful. I've never rented a house. I've always bought my own houses. And then uh, I just get to the stage where I go, you know what? Nothing overly impresses me anymore with, any- with anywhere. But the fact, because you could build it yourself. So I'm, I'm very lucky that, like, 
I'm in a good headspace and have been for the last 15 years. And I just go, you know what? Work harder. See, when you come from a place like Coventry, yeah. I'm not making any, I'm not casting any aspersions oh, on I Coventry. Am. I but, am. But, and yeah. you can do that for yeah. me. But you can work hard all your life and never yeah. get yourself out of exactly. it. Exactly. Whereas yeah. here in Australia, I think yeah. you can work damn hard Absolutely. and you can buy yourself into different areas and oh. buy yourself into a different type of lifestyle. You, you know, as well as I, I, I would get an opportunity or an offer every week to go, look, at the, buy, come by this restaurant. Do you want to do this? Do you want to do this cooking demonstration? Do you want to do that? I ain't happening in Coventry. Mm. I, I doubt if it would even happen for me in London. But for here, because you, you can get to, I mean, maybe we got over here at the right time with that Britpack thing and what we were doing. But also, you come from a different mindset of, I'm going to work. I'm going to earn money, and this is how I'm going to set up myself. I'm, like, I'm a late father. I mean, I've got three beautiful kids now, and also I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a late bloom. I don't have kids for anybody else. So my kids are everything to me, but it's because I got there later that I appreciate the fact that I can send them to a good school. I live in a good area. You know, we're a good, close family knit, you know. I don't tend, I tend not to go out and do nightclub. I don't, I don't know if I've been to a nightclub, I reckon, for maybe 15 years for the simple fact is that I've done all that when I was young and I was like young, dumb and stupid. And now it's kind of like I've moved into that, not older, older man thing, but you kind of get to the stage where you go, I, don't, I can't be bothered. Also, <laughs> nobody wants a hangover with a five-year-old. Nobody. Nobody ever said, I think I'll be okay with this because you're not. Yeah. And also... You value your time so much more now than than I would have like like twenty years ago. But with my kids, it's like I just I just look at my little five year old or my twelve year old, and I see them growing up. Because I've got three girls, I see them growing up, and everything I see in them is just beautiful. Yeah. And even the bad stuff, you look at it and go, oh, "This is I this like could that. be fun." Yeah. And then you just don't get this. I just don't get the same buzz out of, you know, some people go fishing and stuff. I mean, I play golf badly, but then. I just don't get the same buzz out of like going out and getting on it like uh, some people do. And you see, know. I live my going out like my daughter's twenty now, yeah, and she right. can ride herself off for three days. Yeah, and I'm just I can't. No, I actually can't even remember doing that. But I, I'll be knocking on the door and going, "It's daylight." Yeah, that's right. That's and it. it's the second day. Do you yeah. reckon uh, you could get out of bed? And I'm, uh, I'm yeah, <laughs> uh, well, I went to Gimlet the other night, and I sort of I had a bit of a late night there, and I was thinking to myself the next day, I was like, oh, Jesus, why did yeah. you do that? Won't for? do that again for no. a while. No, so, so let's drag you yeah. back to, okay. to Coventry. Yeah. So you grew up there? Yeah, grew up there. You grew up there. Did you actually, so let's stay at school mm. for a bit. What are your memories of that? Uh, I, I remember being uh, a bit of a loud mouth, but funny. I've I've always like um, I've always prided myself that I'm I'm pretty good at general knowledge. I'm I, I'm an avid reader of the newspaper. I I, I read a lot of uh, not so much books, but I'm general knowledge stuff. I, I could probably tell you where all the capital cities are and all that sort of stuff. I'm not studious or anything like that, but I just you know I get by. I'm pretty street smart, and I've always been pretty street smart. School was okay, just you know. It was, hang out with your mates and stuff like that. And they tell you at school, these are the best days of your life. You're going to miss this when you're out. You go, no, I won't. And yeah, <laughs> but then I end up going to cooking college. I had a bit of trouble with the police, which has well, been well documented on TV shows and all that sort of stuff. I had a bit of trouble with the police. And for six months, I did a young offenders, like a ballstool mm. thing. And that was, uh, that was good because it actually taught me that I wasn't as smart as what I thought I was. I realized pretty quickly that there were some bigger badder people out there who were going to probably go on to be magnificent career criminals. I wasn't I wasn't set up for that type of thing. And it's, it's really interesting how you just very smoothly just went, well, that was good for me. I didn't expect that as a – you've obviously thought about it a lot well, over, the, over the years. We were, we were there. When I was there, it was over Christmas, and my mother who was – I mean, my mother's been a single mother for like forever. I mean, you know, they drove down because she doesn't drive – and uh, so she drove down with my father, and they'd been divorced for like 15 years, but, they, I mean, they still talk. They both drove down. I was sent down into South Wales. So they drove down over Christmas time and left. Like, we got three, I've got three, well, four other kids in our family, but the, the three, they had to be left at home. They drove down on Boxing Day to see me, and it was, it was, very, it was very upsetting for the family. I mean, you know what Christmas is like over there. It's cold, it's miserable, the whole thing. So she came down on Boxing Day. Her and my father came down to give you a Christmas present, which is an apple and orange and a fucking bag of nuts. <laughs> but then, yeah, <laughs> and then uh, so, and it was upsetting to see to see them because I hadn't seen them. So I got put away in November, and it was like December the twenty sixth that they came down. 
So you get down there and you see that they, and you kind of see your mum crying and your old man looking at you going, you made your mum cry and you kind of go, you know, fuck you, I'm not, you don't, think I'm, you don't think I'm enjoying this or, you know, or, and then you kind of realise, you know, I was 16. I was just, just turning 16. So I was like, yeah, I mean, this isn't life and this is not what I want to do. I, I was smart enough to realise that I'm not stupid. From there, it was just. But there would have been others in there, you know, that oh. didn't have the same mindset as you and no, thinking of differently. Oh, of course, absolutely. And you know, and I've d- I've done a lot of work now with Prisons Australia and, and and with the TV show that I did and stuff. Like that. And then you see them, and they're they're, they're career guys. They're they're they're, they're in be, for good. Yeah, that's it. And you know, it, all of it. I think a lot of it now more prevalent is drugs. Mine was more of a fighting thing, and, and yeah. being young and thinking, you know. Suburbs, my suburbs, tougher than your suburb. Which, <laughs> looking back at it now, you you know it's tribal. Well, and when you're a teenager, yeah. it makes perfect well, sense. That's right. Now we we move to I move to places so that we don't have that. So we don't have that tribal problem in in Brayside, mm. for example. So know? is that what you were arrested for? Yeah, fighting. Yeah, yeah, fighting against other people and stuff like that. So somebody got hurt and you know and all that sort of stuff. How so, how badly hurt? Oh, you know, broken nose and you know. You know, so, no, in, so no knives or anything? No, no, no. no, no then you weren't a member of the Stanley gang? Or no, no, like no. But later on in life, you know, you kind of like, you look at that type of thing. But no, it wasn't a football hooligan or anything like that. It was just a suburbs thing and it was, you know, somebody got hurt, you know, somebody got their ear chewed off or something. But it wasn't me. But being there, anyway, but it is what it is and that's that. But you real, and, and it made me realise then that if you want something, you just, you've got to go and get it yourself. Nobody's going to give you anything, especially where I came from. It's not like I... I didn't do television and, in, and leave my kids. You know, I, I wasn't inherit. I didn't inherit somebody's house to spend and stuff like that. You know, whereas and this is where I, I have this great issue with uh, my kids. They, they've got a completely different upbringing to me. It's hundreds couldn't be polar opposites. When I got here, I had a uh, four hundred quid in my uh, in, in my wallet, and I had a credit card debt of about 400 quid, but also I had a credit card from Burton's, you know, the menswear shop they used to have. So that was just to be the place I used to be. If I was going out, I'd buy a shirt from there. You can put it on credit card. And I had that debt, and that was chasing me. And I was like, got over here, and I was like, wow, you know, this is it. But they still kept chasing me for it. And my kids now, they wouldn't have no, no understanding of that. So I, I just think that God, this is God's own country, like yeah. Australia. I love it to bits. Just trying to linger on that, yeah. uh, on that period in your life, and making that decision, I mean, because now, of course, when you're mentoring young people in the same mm. situation, there must be a point where they're like, well, I'm never going to be like you. You know, this is me. You know, how, how, yeah. do, you, how do you kind of nurture and trying to tease, is it a case of trying to tease their, their, their kind of ideas in a different direction? Well, and it's the same, as you know, Gary, when you're, you're teaching somebody who's cooking, you can turn around, I mean, you'll make a, you'll make a dish and I'll make a dish and I'll look at it and go, oh, mine's never going to be as good as Gary's. But then... After talking to you, and you'll say, "Yeah, but I do this, and you do that," and you and you kind of that's that that is that mentoring thing, and you kind of go, "Oh, yeah, I get it," because I can guarantee you that, like, you know, Rennie doesn't cook the same like dish every night, a nomad that's one hundred percent perfect every every time. That just doesn't happen. It, it, it's it's a falsehood that, and it's obviously something that we see on television that everything's amazing. Like we all know what it's like when you're in the shit in the kitchen. It's fucking all all, all hands on deck, and things do get. Do go sleep through the cracks, yeah. let's just say. But with, when you're mentoring young kids and stuff like that, and you go, well, why can't they be like that? Because, well, I've done it. And as I said to them, even when I did the TV stuff, it's, you, you don't have, this doesn't have to be your life. Okay, yes, you've got a criminal record, but you can go and do good stuff. You can go and work. And I mean, like I said, zero unemployment and hospitality. Nothing better. I, I genuinely believe all apprentices should start by washing dishes. And I believe that anybody who's survived six months in a good pot wash, a hard pot wash, they'll do anything in life. Like if you can push a broom around a kitchen and, and what, what about in Australia, you get paid for every hour you work, you get staff meals, and, you know, you'll get looked after because you're the pot wash. If that, that, you don't turn up, people are really pissed off. Mm. If the sous chef doesn't turn off, oh, well, well, we'll make do. The pot wash doesn't turn off, nobody wants to do that job. So you, you're quite well regarded. Not a bad life, really, if you think about, okay, well, I can go and get fed, I can eat, and, you know, you get to meet some interesting people. And it's not that hard. And I always say, yes, when you're in a prison cell and then things are tough and, you you know, that's probably as as low as you want to go. Everything else is a bonus. 
You know, every day above ground is a good day. Yeah. You know, and then you can push on. So you did, that show was Conviction Kitchen. Yep. How many years ago was that now? Oh, it's quite God. a while ago. Well, now, I'll be hopefully ten. Maybe ten years. Yeah, eight or ten. Yeah. Did, did you did you have any great success stories? Just personally, yeah, some out of the that, guys. Uh, oh, no, it's it's good for me. Well, obviously, it was good for me. Obviously, profile wise and stuff like that, and it also gets my message across because I'm. And I've got to be careful how I say this because it, it doesn't sound quite right when the way normally when I say it. I'm like the anti-chef. I, I like I see, I see the people on Instagram and the chefs and the stuff, and then they're looking all gleaming and wonderful and all that. And Polished, I go, shiny. Yeah. And I'm like, no, nah, that's that's not the reality. I like the reality of like, right, we're going to do a function for five thousand. This is how we do it. And there's a, it's it's a business. It's a working thing. For me, it's like, okay, let's just get in, get it done. I don't need to turn around and photograph myself on Instagram and say, well, look at me. You know, that's, that to me is like, it's the antithesis of what I want to be. I just want to go, oh, I'm the chef. I do it for a living because I love it. I love it to death. I don't need to photograph myself with a, a new knife or a new saucepan to endorse it to go, look at me. Let Jamie and all the other guys mm. and, you know, people that you know do that because I'm quite happy doing what I do my way. I don't want to be the Festival of Ian Curley. That's just not what it's about for me. But, you know, unfortunately, sometimes we have to do it to get a yeah. free set of pans or whatever. You're obviously a straight talker, so just trying to drag well, you back yeah, to... Yeah, no, yeah, no, I know that about yeah, you. People that yeah. are listening go, oh, he's no. a straight talker. I know. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, we've yeah. known each other a long time. Yeah. But can I just drag you back to yeah, that? Yeah, sure. The, and I won't linger on it too much longer, That's but right. it's just more about a personal connection that you might have had when yeah. you did Conviction Kitchen. Yeah. be one of the guys. Because you know what? I, I think people that are listening... either. Whether it's not them, they always know someone yeah, that's having difficulty. I mean, yeah, yeah. and even in our, um, yeah. you know, in the lucky life that we live, you know, yeah. I know parents that maybe their son's gone astray yeah, and sure. there is seemingly nothing that we can do or any kind of advice that kind of gets through, yeah. even though they've grown up in the most amazingly nurturing oh, Gary, environment. Gary, you, you know as well as I do, you, you're, you're one step away from being homeless. You know what I mean? Like we know, we, know pe- we, we, we know some of the same people who've had financial difficulty and puts pressure on them and they're, you get divorced and all of a sudden like you start yeah. you're staying up late and all of a sudden... It goes from like, a life fantastic exactly. to something so entirely quite, different. Quite, quite, quite yeah. drastic or something. So, they, so for that, the guys that were, who were on the show, all of them to a person, it was... Drug-related, it was part of like it started off smoking pot, then it went on to something stronger, and then they just didn't have the motivation to actually go and do stuff. And I think a lot of it is mental. It's either you're in wired like that, or you 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 tend not to get people who work really hard, do the right thing, going out breaking the law. It's the ones that kind of go, you know what? I don't. I see an easy way here, and that, that's not the way to do it. I think it is. It is about hard work. And I think that's what attracted me, I think, to cooking is the discipline. Because at that time, as you know, it's, it was disciplined. It was like you didn't go and work in all like it is now where the chef has to stroke your hair and say, thank you for coming to work today, Johnny. It was uh, fucking you. Why aren't you, why aren't you early, an hour early? You know, look at me. I'm, I'm doing press-ups and doing, I'm doing the service and uh, you've got to be like me. Whereas, like, I actually enjoyed that. I thought, I thought and I, maybe that's from... The discipline was that I was like, yes, I, this is what I, I found my place. Yeah, I found my niche here. I've spoken to a lot of yeah. people in our generation yeah. that were unruly or needed that discipline yeah. just to kind of drag them in and give them something to focus on. I, I, I was, I was, a, I was a troublemaker, and also, but it's, when you work in a kitchen where you turn somebody, you see somebody, and you always emulate your sort of like your heroes or your people that you meet first, or you like the way that they are, or they're cool, or they. They dress well or they, they get the girls. You go, okay, I want to be like that guy. And in that kitchen where you, like, you see people who are like pushing on and then getting it done, you go, like, I want to be like that guy. Yeah. And in the kitchen, it's like, yeah, you 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 know as well as I do, you never turned up late. And, and <laughs> you didn't turn up late. You just didn't turn no up late. Days. No. Yeah, no sick days. I remember reading that the, <laughs> the Rude Brothers, they'd asked the Rude Brothers, what was it like? What, what did you say to people who turned up late three times? And they said, well, it doesn't happen after the second time. <laughs> and I was like, that's gold. Now you kind of got it. You've almost got to send an Uber to like pick them up. Yeah, it's drive like, around and get them yourself. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I remember the, the chef from the Intercontinental, I'll never forget, is, is a pastry chef called Michael Coker. He came into service one day and, and it was just the mise en place rubbish. And he knew where this guy lived. He took the mise en place tray and put it outside of his house, just poured it on the ground outside his apartment. And I was like, 
Wow, can you imagine that now in this day and age? My God, that's you'd, be like, you'd be on the front page of the hell, son. I must be honest, though. I look back and I go, it was so, I found it brutal. You know, like uh, yeah. I remember coming home to, you know, yeah. my mum and dad's house, you in know. Tears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just going, and my mum saying, well, yeah. you just do something else. And dad taking me aside yeah. and going, if you love it, just keep going. But mum was like, why are you doing this? My fingers, you know, were yeah. cut and swollen. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I was working, God knows, you know. Just all day, yeah, you know, course. like fourteen hours, sixteen hours, whatever it took to get it done. But exactly, but that's what brutal. It's you got to you, you you've got to go through that. But you need to do that yeah. to to, to knock out good you're chefs. A fir- do you you're think? a first year apprentice. Of what use are you? Like that lamp over yeah, there? No, is you're more not use. much use. That's you know true. what I And you go, can you go and get the pumpkin for the fridge? What's the pumpkin? Yeah, what does you it know? look like? Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, you know, and also you got foie gras. Like, I remember one of my first jobs of like, taking the tail out of like, Ecrevy, like, Yabby's, and you're sitting there with four boxes of that going like that, and it's, they're biting you and nipping you, and you, and you get a little set fingers cut, up, yeah. and you're numb, and you kind of go, but of course that's why you've got to do that. And you then you've got to pick the spinach, and then yeah. you've got to do all the shit jobs, and then there's another first year that comes a year later, and he does that job, and then you you crawl up the thing, but then you learn. It's it's The kitchen is the kitchen. Yeah. You know, you don't answer back to the chef because he fucking knows more than you do and he does your roster. And if you want to work on a Saturday, Sunday, Monday night for the rest of your life, then yeah, good good on you. But if you want a weekend off because you want to take the waitress out, then then you've got to be do the right thing. Mm. You learn pretty quickly. Yeah. And, and also, once it gets to the stage where you don't want to do it anymore, then you go, right, I'll go and work somewhere else. And that's up the pecking order. Yeah. Then you go to London. You know what I always remember, though? I remember sitting in the... Staff canteen. I don't think I've ever. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before. I remember sitting in the staff canteen at the Connell, which was not a staff canteen. It was about half the size of this, and it, yeah. was, a, it was a bench, right? Yeah. And I'm sitting at the end, and I'm like a lowly, I don't know, first commie or something. And yeah. all the chef de parties were up the other end. And back in the day, chef de parties yeah. were like 26, 27 right. years yeah. old. And so they're proper tradespeople. They yeah. know their. I remember Rory Kennedy. Rory, Rory Kennedy, Kennedy yeah. right? Yeah. I worked for Rory Later Kennedy. Later died. Later died. My goodness, yeah. he was a hard yeah. bastard for <laughs> anybody that was listening. I worked him at the hard with the Hyatt Carlton Tower. Did you? Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you this <laughs> first then, because Rory Kennedy, all of a sudden, I went, oh my God. So he, um, uh, sorry, so I'm sitting there and they were having a conversation about all the new intake of apprentices and commies, of which mm. I would have been one, yeah. you know, probably about eight months ago. And they were saying how shit we were. And the fact that young people had changed and it wasn't the same yeah. anymore. And imagine if uh, they were, we were all like them. Yeah. And then rewind or well, fast forward 30 years. Yeah. And I remember sitting with somebody who's a very well-known yeah. you know, chef in the industry and yeah. him saying exactly the same yeah. thing about people, young yeah. kids now. Oh, they're just not. But it's and hard I go, job. well, it's just That's hard things job. have changed a lot. Yeah, and it's an investment just, in yeah, exactly. you know, those young people. We've I, got to be softer. We've I, got to be. I do lots of events up at William Anglis. Right, done stuff with Cordon Bleu with Tom Milligan and stuff like that. Because if we can't just stand there and slag them off and go, they're, they're numbskulls. You've got to, yes, they yeah, are. Because we're, we're all numbskulls at we some point. We were like that. Yeah. I remember like someone saying to me, can you go and go for the long weight or the tartan paint? And then you go, ah, yeah, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But there was some idiot trying to get me to fill it anchovies and stuff like that. <laughs> ho, 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 and all that sort of stuff. But it's up to us to train them. Yeah. The only difference here is you're not training the Brits over there who understand it and the sarcasm, whereas now you've got a lot of Chinese students and non-English speaking people and they just don't quite get it. And so you've got to you've got you've got to look at yourself and go, as a teacher, yeah, it's you. I've yeah. got to do it. Yeah. Because so it's tone and intonation yeah, and lately. Yeah. intention. Yeah. And and you know, a lot of them are on their iPhones and stuff like that. And they're kind mm. of like that's what they see as like as a a way of communicating. Mm. Whereas it's me, it's like you try and explain someone how to make a red wine sauce by by just saying roast the bones, do the mirepoix, and then they've got to look up what mirepoix is, and you got to go, you know, as opposed to showing them, and then go, that's it. The colleges can't do it because they can't afford it. So yeah. it's up to you to be able to it's say not, some. Well, there's nothing sexy, is it? It's just no. repetition. I mean, no, I hate to right. say it. You know, the foundation of what I still know today is yeah. just through it's in your fingers because yeah, you right. did it so many times. Yeah, that's it. Somebody asked me recently. They said. Um, do you still think of yourself as a chef? And I said, well, I don't know, probably not because I don't have any restaurants and what have you, but I'm a cook. Yeah. And it's ingrained in me and I'll yeah. be a chef until I die. Well, of course. Because I, I can, I still, I be can still cook pretty well. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? I, so many people say, oh, you know, because I've got my own restaurants and stuff like that, so you're restaurateur. I'm like, no, I'm still a cook. Mm. And I'm a chef. And that's, I don't want to be I don't want to be the guy in the, in the office doing the accounting. My other partner does that. That's for him. Mm. The other people who do design, oh, yeah, great, he does the design. Well, I suppose it's, it's, uh, you're comfortable with your skills yeah. and that's where you offer most uh, value for yeah. the business, right? Because I'm looking, you're in your, yeah. you're in your work 
yeah. shoes and you, yeah. you've I'm basically stepped off the I was working this morning. The yes. I, was, I was doing my plant-based restaurant this morning. I'm going to the French Saloon tonight and, you know. And you it, still love it. You love it. Of course. you got. How can you not? And oh, I love it. And that's I mean, it's, you know, that touch and feel and the deliciousness of, I, of the whole thing. I've got friends of mine who are accountants, friend of mine who's like, you know, runs a like multi, like multi-level company and all that sort of stuff. And I smile, I have a laugh and a giggle and stuff. And we play golf and, and all that. And they, they, I've learned so much from them about the way that they do things. I don't really correlate so much with other chefs because they're kind of like, I, I find the whole sitting around slagging off other restaurants and like saying, oh, guess what, I heard that so-and-so sushi. I'm like, that to me doesn't do anything. I think I, I learn more from people and the way that people are as opposed to, oh, I went to Andrew McConnell's new place. And, oh, the, the design is, I'm like, mate, you couldn't afford that design, you know. Go there, enjoy yourself and just go, how lucky are we that we've got the opportunity to eat the best Vietnamese, the, you know, the best French, all that, all in our city. Yeah. With great ingredients and and knowing that you probably know the people on the floor and go, hey, how you going? Yeah, and that's it. Just beautiful. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I'm, I, I'm the same. I, yeah. I always, I actually, we've got a good mutual friend who always becomes very negative within about ten minutes of yeah. chat. I do my best always yeah. to just steer it away, steer it away. Yeah. Because in the end, I go, well, it's not solving anything. No, it's right. And actually, I just really like going out to eat and somebody cooking cooking for me. It's well, nice. it's, like, it's like when, when chefs. <laughs> I, mean, I know, you, and I know that you've got like you've got your cookbooks and stuff. Like that, but when chefs write cookbooks and then they. They start telling them about their lives and stuff. You're not Nelson Mandela. Mm. Nobody really cares. Oh, yeah, but people know. like to know. Wait, that's why people are listening to this podcast well, right now because okay, they well, go, I know Inca. Yeah, I, well, like, I like French Saloon. And oh, well, I go to Curtis. You know, anyway, you know, there you Where's go. the cookbook, Ian? No. <laughs> the problem with the I asked cookbook. you for a recipe about I, five weeks ago. I still haven't got it. I said that. Right? I, don't I know haven't why. got it. Well, I'll, I'll ask for it. Just so everybody pudding. listening, yeah. if you see Ian Curley in the street, say, Ian, where's the black pudding recipe? Can you send it to Gaz? I'll send it to you. I love making this series and I hope that you love listening too. If you do, subscribe and send us a message because believe it or not, we actually read those messages. What we want to know is what you think about the show, more importantly about the conversations that we have with our guests. We love hearing from you. That's what I'm trying to say. And if you're feeling like it, maybe even recommend the show to a friend. You never know, they might find it as delicious as you do. Can I uh, yeah. just drag you back a bit again? We're we still going back. You? No, you know the only reason because I'm trying because I'm trying to find out your inspirations. And we talked about a little bit of, about your your youth and right. you know some of the indiscretions and then getting you on track. And then so what got you on track? So when you say I looked at people, you know you look at people in your career and go I love them, right. I love that. Who were who were they for you? So early in your career, what were the pivotal moments where I you was went working at a youth opportunities program? I got out of like the Borstal, you young offenders. I went to a youth opportunities program. So at that time, Maggie. She would close down lots of factories to privatise things, and she'd put the. There's a mayor. Look, the um the we've uh, so you went. Dave, up, hang on a minute. Dave's putting the blind down because you're looking at people out the window. Yeah, but when you see the mayor, and you got to be careful. Was it the past mayor or was this mayor? No, because it's, it could be controversial. <laughs> yeah, no, just yeah, Dave yeah. puts the blind down. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like, anyway, it's so a you're on the view there. He keeps taking me back. I'm going forward. Anyway, you don't have to go that far. So you're on yops. They used to call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Opportunity. Yeah. So there you go. You got double the goal. So you thought, okay, if I work hard, someone will give me a job. Anyway, so I was doing that at this factory. I ended up in the canteen. Uh, my first job in there was going to be m- making uh, tin drums for the Calypso King, a guy called Vic. He used to be the Calypso King. He used to perform at the Notting Hill Carnival. I thought that would be good fun because he was always in the newspaper. I thought, okay, that's this could be good. Fucking hard work. I was tapping out metal drums, doing all the noise, all that. And I was like, maybe this isn't a career for me. Calypso Curly, they used to call me. <laughs> so, no, that didn't work. And then... The, op- the opportunity came to work in the canteen. And I don't know, it was just sort of like you have to be ready by 10 o'clock because it's the first tea break. People come in, they queue up, you've got to be ready, you've got to run around and do it. And the guy there, I know a guy called Martin, said, I can get you into Henley College if you like. Now, you've got to remember, I'd been, I'd left school, I had no real qualifications, I'd been to like a young offenders, basically a young, young prison for six months. I'd come out, I'd, I'd had no money, and then this guy is like taking enough interest in me to go, I can get you into the college if you like. And then there was an older thing there where you could start, you didn't have to pay as much, but you had to pay by your own way in. So I was like, yeah, okay. I was on this youth opportunities thing. I thought, yeah, why not? 
and I got into Henley College, and then from from there I got a job straight away working as a like a bus boy at the local Trust House Forty, and you know, sweeping leaves from one space to another while it was still windy was like okay, but that's what you did when you were a, a numbskull on the weekend, <laughs> and you kind of go and that and it pays, and from then I mean, what am I now? I'm fifty five, so that would be. For nearly 40 years, I've never not had a job. And I've always had more than one job or two or three jobs at any one time. So I did that. The hardest thing you ever do is move from your hometown because you know everybody, you know the same guys in the pub, you know it's the same girlfriend you've had at the time. I met my first my first girl I fell in love with was at college, a girl called Tracy. Uh, I went to work in London from as soon as I qualified for, from there because I, I was into it by then. When you get to college, you get the white jacket on. And I always say it's because you're all the same. Everybody's in the white jacket. It doesn't matter if you're rich, you're smart, you're poor, you're still making the pilaf, you're still doing the mirapah, you're getting judged on how you chop it, not not where your family's from. Mm. And I think it gave me that equality, especially from the fact that I had been away in prison and stuff yeah. like that. And it was like it was like a fresh start. White jacket, off to London pretty much straight away. And I just loved it. I just loved the fact that this was this. I mean, they were saying, you know, Dudley Moore's in tonight and he's, he's drinking a 2,000-pound wine and you're like, what the fuck? Are you joking? I'm like, really? You know, people like do that and then, you know, the waiters will be swirling it around and then you've got food that you've like, you've never even dreamed of some of this stuff that you're seeing. And it was uh, at the higher, and like you're saying, people like Rory Kennedy was on the larder. He was a chef to part in the larder and he was tough as nails, these guys. And they're like, Fucking, you turn up, mate, and then that's it. You chop your bones for your mirepoix and all, and all that, and you can't. And then I love that discipline. Mm. And and I, I mean, I'm I not not I'm not a tough guy, but I like the fact that that you go, you start at eight, you get there before eight, and you finish afterwards. But you you put in a, a good day's work. You know, I work with Donovan Cook over at the Savoy. You know, Ray Capaldi, all all the reprobates from Melbourne now, and they're all the same. They've all, none of them. Can, will say to you, I had an easy life. I worked with Donovan at the Savoy and then he I worked with him in a restaurant in London and I was the one that basically talked him into going to the waterside. And that made him. And you get to a stage, the great thing about cooking is you can sit down and have a conversation. I can have a conversation with you because like you've been a superstar on TV, but the same guy I can talk to an apprentice because you, you, these are the people that you meet. Like I've got people who come into my restaurants who are like, ultra wealthy and they want to talk about like the where their yacht's going to be stationed off the Positano and then I've got I bumped into a guy that used to work me yesterday who'd been in prison for two weeks because he did a home invasion mm. I was laughing I'm like you fuck with you know <laughs> and you kind of go and I, I love the the fact that people who work in the money markets that doesn't happen to them accountants my accountant he loves. He sits there and he just marvels at the stories of what happens in hospitality mm. and I'm like but, but don't you think mm. restaurants I don't know if people really have a proper sense of what's going on, ah, to be honest. No. I mean, there's TV, yeah. which is very glamorous and all the rest of it, and there's yeah. reality. But I remember reading a book called The Restaurant Man, which is by um, Joe Bastanarich, okay. right? Okay, yeah. And he talks about it's it's a it's a business of two worlds, right? Yeah. Cheapskate behind yeah, the yeah. doors and expensive, extravagant and wonderful in front of those kitchen doors. Yeah. And I like that yeah. kind of juxtaposition. And it's funny how people come in and they think that what you do is dreamy and extravagant yeah, yeah. and yeah. You're, you're connected and you are, in a sense, with the very best in the world. Like yeah. you're dishing up caviar and yeah. putting Wagyu steak on a plate. Yeah. And then you walk through the double doors into the kitchen. That's right. And it's a whole other world. Well, that's it. Because out the back of the yeah. bins and the... Yeah, of course. Absolutely. And, and the, the see, mops, right? Yeah, and the front of the hotels that I work at, they've always got some sort of like beautiful art piece or uh, there's a sofa that's cost like 40 grand. You go, yeah, or it's 100 wow. years old. You know? Yeah, that's right. And you go, look at that, it's fantastic. And that's it. You walk through the kitchen door and three of the gas rings don't work <laughs> on the six burner and you kind of go, can we get a new stove? Uh, why? Oh, no, the other three are working. And you go, of course. Yeah. Okay, there it is. That's the position. But that's how you deal with stuff. What, what's the conversation in amongst your business partners who are, you know, some of the most experienced in yeah. Melbourne in terms of, I don't know, pushing prices up or tackling the staff we have to do it. training? We have to put what? the prices up. But also COVID has like taught us that to survive, you've got to survive. And also, you know, there have been some high-profile uh, people who have gone broke, as you know, mm. and also suffered financial setbacks. So you've got to look at it. And it's COVID and everything else has made us a more aware business-wise of where it's at. Luckily, I've got the consultancy business with the hotels and I do what I do because it's 
you know, there is nothing better than invoicing and then getting paid and say, okay, there's yeah. another month gone. Yeah. Because basically now I'm looking at the end of retirement and stuff like that and investments hopefully will come come home. Yeah. I'm like, but my kids have still got to go to school. That's going to be expensive for three too. So you, you, yeah, yeah. you're working for but, a while. But, that, but that's fine. And, you know, and I, and I, I know my partner, she's amazing and she, she works very hard as well. But we, we work very hard for the family. Mm. And our thing is to make sure that the family are provided for. So, and that's great. I mean, Simone works her backside off, and and you know we we're into it together. Yeah. My thinking is that restaurants, yes, you've got to put your prices up, but again, like you're saying, market forces. Would I go there once a week? No, but I've been there two or three times now. But then I'll wait now until the others come. But I wouldn't do fine dining again anytime soon. Yeah. I, once yeah. a year I'll do it. I'm yeah. happy to do that. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's something to do with the Asian experience and your, how you enjoy food. Yeah. I just don't have the patience to sit there for hours yeah. anymore. I like to go and eat really beautiful food and then get out of there. I, I like walking into a place and going, looking at the de- decor on the fit-out, looking at the bar, looking at the staff, seeing what the uniforms are wearing. I'm like, okay, so that's, that's where we're at now. I'll say, <laughs> a plate of oysters, a quick main course, in that time, I drank half a bottle of wine and I'm out of there. And then I'll go and do it somewhere else as well. And then there you kind of go, you, you've got lots of learning curves from there and go, sure. okay, that's what it is. And you're confident of what you love. I mean, look, I, I, having said that, yeah. I will clarify for everybody that if it's an exceptional experience, there's nothing better. No, of course. You know, if you can sit there and eat 15 courses and the time just flies and everything's amazing. Yeah, wow, that's right. What an experience. Oh, I mean, you know, we've been in New York and stuff like that and we're, and we're very lucky that we, we – you, but you've worked to that – Work to that. I mean, luckily, Simone for my birthday took me to New York. We flew first class, right? Now, uh, uh, you, you think, ah, oh, first class, wanker. Uh, no, it was. It wasn't was the well first worth thing it. that came to my no, mind, but no, but it, it was well worth it because you're there, you know. And when you're arriving into New York on first class, and Hillary Clinton's in the next seat next to you, and you're having a shower, not with Hillary, but. <laughs> but but you're having a shower before you I was going to say, Hillary, I'm just about to but, jump in the but, shower. But but you're you're there and you kind of go, fuck it, yeah, there, this is all right. Yeah, from we've a, worked, from a boy from worked, commentary. I was going to you say know. you've worked very yeah. very hard. For yeah, it, and it's kind of it's a, almost a monumental moment. Yeah. Where did you eat? Simone for her fortieth. You'll hope you're saying this. She bought herself a um, a safari at one of those. You know those celebrity chef dinners that we do where you know, you go off and they go. She did she have a couple of pinot grigios <laughs> and get carried away? She, did she? she was on the Chardonnay, <laughs> and they gave her this like lightsaber thing. I thought she always loved Star Wars, so she was waving this lightsaber. <laughs> she kept buying this bloody safari over in Sabi Sabi in South Africa. So we ended up going there, but we met these uh, some really good people like Bruce and Gladys and uh, a guy called Wolf Van Alkemaard and his wife Michelle. At this safari thing. So we had dinner with them every night. So their hoteliers, like Wolf's hotelier, lives in Switzerland, you know, very, very wealthy, good guy. And and Bruce and Gladys were on the safari because from New York. So we, when we go to New York, we go and see them and we have dinner and we stayed at 11 Madison oh, nice. Park across the road. And so we just had best fun going to eat Hampton and stuff like that, out to the Hamptons. And they showed us around. It was just beautiful. And we, we had good fun with them. We went to a couple of restaurants and I remember, forget the first night we were there, we went to Prune, and everybody like talked about this restaurant because it's uh, she's a food writer, and Bruce is like seven year old New Yorker, but Jewish New Yorker. So the fish comes out, and it's like whole fish baked in the thing, small place, but uh, he's gone. It's got bones in it. I'm like, well, of course. It's, it's, it's like it needs to be filleted. So he's trying to get it, to, and they're like. We're not filleting it. So I'm like, let me do it I for you. I was going to so, say, give it, to, yeah. give it to you. Give so it to the, the chef on the table. So the first night I'm, we're there in New York, we're filleting this fish, and it's like, <laughs> it's just beautiful. You go to New York, and he's there, and he's adamant. I'm not paying for this. I'm not paying for it unless it's filleted. And he's like the classic <laughs> New Yorker. Like, I was, uh, did you try and explain it. to him it was yeah. sweeter on the no, bone? No, and it was... no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so it's like, he's from New Jersey, and he was loving it. Was so, and it was just great. The whole that whole trip was just beautiful. And it's like, and that's the thing. It signifies if you work hard, you can get there. Yeah. You can do it. In Australia, you can do it. it you can still lots to be done. Yes, we're going to have struggle with staff and stuff like that, but we've got to work with the crew you got. Any thoughts about creativity in, in this space then because things have changed? I mean, what do you think about... stifles you. You can't encourage... Contactless no. ordering and all that sort oh, of stuff. You know, and menus on iPads and stuff like that. But again, it comes down to training and we and you've got to... The smart will adapt. 
And also, it's all about the training. Yeah. And that's where you get people like myself and as a consultant, I go in and I'll say to, rather than trying to hire an executive chef who can't do it for 130 grand, they'll turn yeah. around and say, well, okay, we'll pay this head chef 90 and he can work with Ian and we'll pay him a portion of that and he can do two or three hotels and that's how, how it works out. Yeah. And then, I mean, luckily, Ovalo hotels are all vegetarian or plant-based, so... That was a learning curve. So I was going to say, you wanna... and I worked with Shannon and Shannon Martinez. To to this day, she's been fantastic. Yeah. with me, she tolerates my, uh, you know, meat loving ways. Well, I just, <laughs> uh, I just uh, can I put a shoe grower on that? Is yeah, that what... it's supposed to taste like chicken, but it ain't chicken, is it? And she's like, no, it isn't. And uh, and but she she's been great for the stuff that I learn now, and also, and I translate it through the other cooks yeah. and go, well, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, who knew that smoked watermelon was supposed to taste like tuna? There you go. Who knew? And so you found a new, a little newfound love, do you think? Does it change how you play around with it, your own bit, ideas and I, food? I, and... Well, I remember when, when I did Conviction Kitchen, everybody kept saying to me, I've got a friend who's been in prison or I've got a brother or, uh, who's been in prison and, and or I know somebody who's been in prison. Mm. Now everybody knows somebody who's vegan or vegetarian. So it's kind of like the same. <laughs> I love how you put them yeah, on. Yeah, well, that's it, you know, and so you kind of adapt to the situation where you yeah. go, you know what? If someone said to me, okay, and you know this as well as I do, someone said to you, you've got to open up an Iranian restaurant or you're doing Middle Eastern food, you could go, okay, it might take you a couple of goes at it, but you can put a menu together and you'll refine it by going better oil or better this, and you'll just adapt it. It's all technique. Yeah. There's no such thing as like a cuisine that hasn't been invented yet because, and we've been cooking seasonally for, for forever. It's just, they're just media bywords as to, yes, we know that the figs, if they're no flavour, don't serve them, you yeah. know. But it still happens. And even in good restaurants, they'll they'll say, oh, it's amazing how this produce that I'm doing and stuff like that. But, you know, yeah. when you're a cook, you kind of see it and you go, that's just your Instagram profile, buddy, you know. Yeah. I'm guilty yeah. of Instagram. I, 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 I know you Look, if it, to be honest, if it, if I didn't, uh, if my if my slide into retirement wasn't imminent either, I probably wouldn't do it. I'd just tune out of it. Because it does drive me mad. And I think that I, I, I kind of... I think since leaving, not having restaurants and yeah. not being on the stove, my state yeah. of mind's changed. I suppose yeah, my attitude's changed. Yeah. And I think about hospitality differently and I always look at it now and go, look, you know, it's an era of specialisation. You know, I can't expect my A chef to know all of this stuff because they're never going to do the training that you do. But you, you know, but they might make yeah. uh, macarons yeah. really bloody well yeah. and then that becomes a feature yeah. or a shop. Do well, you know what I mean? My, my, my thinking will be that in, in two years, the restaurant that I want to open... I won't have a pastry chef, but I'll have specific person that makes my petty fours for me. There'll be somebody who makes them down the road, and I'll say, right, okay, I want forty serves of petty fours. Yeah, that'll be on the menu, and it'll be. I might be able to make the brulee or whatever it is by then. I'll I'll do it. Yeah, but it'll be a place that I want it to be, not what Instagram wanted to be. You know yeah. what I mean? And then for me, it'll be. I want it to be. I want to have a roast on the Sunday. And people go, oh, it's a bit old-fashioned. Well, fuck off. It's my restaurant. Yeah. You know? And I'm getting to that stage where as I get old enough, I go, I know what I want. And I know but maybe that's just in a my area. That's a rediscovery yeah. or a confidence in what you love. And then, like restaurants are supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. You you go to yeah. Ian's restaurant yeah. because you know he likes a Sunday yeah. roast, right? That's it. And it's like, and if you don't want to do it, then go around the corner and go go and do the other place. And because, but this is, I want to be, and I'm, that's why I'm doing it where I'm doing it. It's like, I can walk there. This is my place. This is why I want to do it. Hopefully I don't lose as, as much money, but I he like the idea of getting up, going to work and saying, right, there I am. Uh, loaves and Fishes, which yeah. is based out of Tasmania, yeah, right? Yeah, so and they repurpose food. So, Faith-based yeah. food charity, which yeah. is great. You've been involved with that for a long time. I was with them for a long time, but then uh, because I couldn't get over to Tasmania, there's a, a very, very attractive young uh, Italian chef. I don't even know if he's, he's Italian. He's a bit desperate, though, isn't well, he? I know who you're talking about. But, but, yeah, but, but he grows some Bell, nice I, I love him, <laughs> and, but man alive. And that, it's, 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 we're talking about Instagram there. There's a guy that likes to photograph himself. <laughs> but Massimo's over there. He's in Hobart, and he's around Launceston and stuff, and he does okay. a great job, and, he, and, he, and he'll champion it. And I'm just not getting over there. It's like as I get up, like I can't be bothered crossing the river to go over and eat at Donovan's, for example, like at Ryan. Now I love Donovan. He's like I always say he's probably one of the best cooks I've ever worked with in 35 years. I don't have enough time to go over there and to Donovan's place. I'm no certainly not going over to Launceston <laughs> to uh, to repurpose food for somebody. But 
people like Massimo, they love it, and then good luck to them. Yeah, you know? plenty of organisations yeah, so, you can get involved in. And everybody uh, wants to do like you know, you know, the street smart and all that sort of stuff and all that. And there's all that sort of stuff. I just think it's a bit disappointing that we can't feed people. Yeah. Right. And then if you've got to get if you've got to be an ambassador for those type of things, and you kind of go, really, there's got to be a better way rather than you know. I don't know if there ever is. I mean, and you need. I mean, you know, that ambassador, you know, role is important. I mean, Matt's been involved. Yeah, you know, yeah, Sacred yeah. Heart. You know, yeah. we, we've been involved in, yeah. over the years, and it's you, the food waste is ridiculous. Yeah, exactly, it's ridiculous. But if you if you're not constantly championing it, people just forget about yeah, it. Yeah, I know. But there's got to be a way, Gary, that you can get fifty people in in a factory yeah. and knock up pies for like, yeah. uh, like our mate does, yeah. and then just go right there. You go. Let's feed the people. Yeah, let's feed the people. Let's let's stop talking about it. Let's just do it. There's so many problems, though. There's yeah. so many problems. I mean, whether it's the supermarkets that are only putting the best stuff on the shelves or chucking it away when it doesn't look quite yeah. right, you know, and the bins are full. Yeah, and course. they're trying to do their thing. I mean, yeah, Coles is one of the biggest yeah. contributors to the charity. But Absolutely. look how much food we throw away at exactly. home, oh, overbuy. Yeah, and, I see, and I, I see it all the time with the kids. I'm like, oh, well, the, my little one will have a bite of an apple and it's gone. And I'm like, and I'm trying to like cut the <laughs> cut the brown off it, and oh, I'm not going to eat that. I'm like. Yeah. We are, yeah. and you got to, and that's the thing. But that's that's where I, I believe we've we come almost first full circle because you wouldn't have done that in England. There's, no. and there's, you, there was no choice. You got home for dinner, and it's like here's dinner. There's no way you'd say oh, I don't like broccoli. Oh well, leave it on the side, or your dad'll eat it. You know, yeah, because you'd go hungry and they go, oh, that's a terrible way. I'm like, <laughs> believe me, it's like an a la carte restaurant at my some yeah. mornings in my place. What yeah. do you want for lunch? Oh, I don't want this for breakfast. You go, hold on a minute, what are you doing? <laughs> but that's how we've become because if we've we've just gone. Everything focuses on on pleasing people and choice. Yeah, and choice. For and kids. don't forget, there are families that we got a close friends that uh, they'll they've got three kids yeah. and they'll have four. Di- you know, with the adults, they'll have four different Uber deliveries. Yeah, kills. Yeah. Again, you're worried about global warming. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you kind of go, <laughs> there's, there's oh, a problem here. You know, and <laughs> there is a big big problem, but it's, it's too easy to go, you know what, I don't, I want to, I want to, yeah, I want, I want this. And you go, okay, yeah, I want dumplings. You go, what? <laughs> what do you mean? You're five. <laughs> <laughs> well, that you, yeah. you're, you're, you're facilitating it. You're, yeah. you're, you're trying to give your kids the best possible, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. No. Best possible upbringing. But I, I don't think that. But giving them money is is the answer because I never had the money. But if you can give them an education, you can get a, an appreciation, choice. Yeah. So I would think that my girls will get to the end of their schooling and have the opportunity to go to university, and they will have a choice. And then hopefully we can channel it so that they do become like doctors, like their mum, yeah. or you know. I just have a rule. They just got to do something they love. I hate to well, say it. Just find something you love because what I mean, MasterChef, and I know yeah. you know you criticise TV a little bit, but you know that <laughs> that television. <laughs> did you lose? Like, did you say on MasterChef? No, I actually won all of them. Oh no, I'm thank just you checking. very much. Just checking. Just, just checking. <laughs> I didn't think you did, but it was worth checking. But you know, on MasterChef, it was full of people that just you know ended up in careers that they hated. Yeah. For for some reason, yeah. whether it was doctors, lawyers, we had lots of graphic designers. Yeah, that's right. A lot of people that went to uni and did business studies, yeah. you know, whatever that is. I remember and, when they go, I want to follow my food dream. And you go, well, fucking be a cook. Go and work with him. Go and work with him for six months because he needs the stuff, yeah, let's be honest. Everybody needs the stuff. <laughs> I want to follow there's my a, food yeah, dream. Yeah, but there's there a go. slight different food yeah. dream. That's a different. Yeah. I didn't, when I, I certainly know when I went into cooking, my granddad was a chef. Yeah. And I did it because, same thing, I was like 14, 15 years old. I worked in a holiday camp yeah. as a bar back, you yeah. know, watering down the cordials and putting the same gin in every gin bottle just yeah. in case anybody needs to know yeah. a shonky bar manager yes yeah. that not me yeah. the guy telling me what to do but i started there and i just i did it because i loved cooking and, yeah. it, and it was a thrill first day in the kitchen yeah. you know i remember seeing things like you know like fire grow and yeah. truffles but even like big brown crabs yeah. i was yeah. like i've never seen this no. before i remember sticking my big fingers in uh, in black caviar at savoy like having it like that and then the sous chef going there's 40 that's worth warning your wages yeah like it. <laughs> yeah, you idiot. <laughs> so to close it all up, yep. where are we going? Because you've touched on there's a new restaurant coming with a rise smile. Years. Two years. But we're away. Yeah, there's away. another one I'm looking I'm looking at a large one at the moment in a in a salubrious part of Melbourne that I whether or not I do it is another thing. When does this come out? Oh, it could be next week. Oh. It could be really could good. Could be today. It depends <laughs> how busy Dave is on the editing. <laughs> Go Dave. Yeah. I might send it. I'm looking at a, a very large space. In uh, in a, an area where people go, oh, that'll be interesting, and it could be fantastic. 
it's just negotiating leases and stuff like that, yeah. and you know all the good fun stuff that you yeah. really don't want to do. Uh, but the one that I I want to do is in is going to be in Brighton in two years' time. It's going to be in a nice spot, and I think it's nice for me to be able to walk there. And I, I just I have this vision, this romantic vision of my kids being ringing up and re reconfirm your bookings, and that's their pocket money because they'll be fourteen and twelve effectively then, and the the baby will seven years old. And I just I like that idea of sitting down like Guy Grossi does with the family once a week and go, this is where we are. Mm. And that's it. And I like that. And also by then it's kind of like it's definitely time then to sort of go, okay, what are we doing? Where are we going? What do we want to do? And also I just I just love the idea of like having something local to walk to and go, okay, that's it. What's next? Yeah, it's a beautiful and, dream. Yeah. I think Guy Grossi said to us, he goes, you can take all my money away, yeah. but all I want is to have Sunday lunch and a bottle of wine. I'm a rich man. You're, you're fine. And then for the people that listen to this, you, you go to the botanical, you see Guy Grossi and his family, and it's just a beautiful thing. Mm. And it's just beautiful. And that they're all, and there's grandkids and there's kids running around. And that to me is the dream of you've tried, you've had your fun in the kitchens. We've all been all over the world doing stuff. And we've you know, done television and we've done charity events, you know, we Somebody give you a jacket to wear. You go, fucking yeah, good on you. But if you, nothing better than watching your kids run around, you're eating good food cooked by people who care, and you go, that, that that's a celebration. You know, I love it. What a dream. And uh, when you open it, we'll come. <laughs> I hope so. Are you listening, everyone? <laughs> when he opens it, we'll come. Yeah, come to Brighton. You Ian know, Curley. the other the other one will be different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ian Curley, thanks so much. Thanks, it's been a thanks, lovely man. interview. Thanks. Right, now for my tips and tricks. And there's a couple of things that Ian mentioned when he was chatting to us about food. One was the fact that he loves simplicity. And the other thing, that he still loves some of the old, you know, British classics. And I was thinking proper thick custard. So this is what you do. You put half a litre of milk into a pot. You scrape a vanilla pod into that, or you can just use a little bit of vanilla essence, but make it the good stuff. And then you put five egg yolks into a bowl. You whisk 90 grams of caster sugar onto that, and then 20 grams of corn flour into that egg mixture. It's the corn flour that's the thickener. And with corn flour, it needs to come to the boil to actually thicken. So this is what you do. Milk up to the boil, pour it into the egg mixture, give it a whisk until it's smooth, put that mixture back into the pot, and then you whisk that up to the boil. Turn the gas down, simmer it for about 30 seconds to a minute just to make sure it's nice and thickened and it's cohesive and smooth and beautiful. Tip that into a bowl. It's kind of one portion for me. Nothing better than homemade custard. A Plate to Call Home is presented by me, Gary Megan, and produced by Dave Swalensky and audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.